Welcome to Crunch Time. Delicious. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858. Crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. Werribee, Western, and Footscray Nissan dealerships stock the all new Nissan Navara Pro 4X. Built tough. This is the third grand final since 64. It's clearly the best Melbourne team that I've seen assembled since 64. Grown men admitting that they're, they're crying after games and supporters saying this is the best they've felt in 30, 40 years of supporting the club. It seems to be a very emotional time. I've dedicated pretty much my whole life to winning the flag. There's not much more to life than footy right now. Like, I've been in a bad team for 10 years and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. The Demons forced to bide their time yet further ahead of their historic bid to break the Premiership droughts. The coach in isolation, the players under curfew and the fans gripped by paralysing tension through an agonising wait. It's no different to what we've faced in regards to some of the challenges along the way. You've just got to embrace them and, and think fondly about the circumstances that we're in that we're privileged to, uh, to be exposed to some of the the elements, you know, in the build-up to uh, the 21 grand final. Being able to continue winning and, and bring it together and put the club in its only its fourth ever grand final is a pretty special thing. To be 11 days out from, from my second grand final and hopefully playing in, in a winning one, um, like I said, I'm still pinching myself and, and really looking forward to the build-up. The Bulldogs take a breather through another week of mandatory quarantine. Luke Beveridge takes the conservative approach to preparations as vital fitness and selection decisions loom. I gather there was 180,000 people in the queue, which is, I know definitively, an Australian record, but I think it's a world record. We're extremely excited that uh, Marbio Scholl will be going to the Gold Coast Suns for four years. There's a long time as captain um, and, and uh, arguably maybe the greatest captain of, of Richmond of all time probably just behind Captain Blood, uh, Jack Dyer, um, and just did everything right. I'm always understanding that clubs and coaches will do what's right for them, but I, I don't think it's necessarily the role of the AFL to guard the game from coaches. I think it's to work with coaches. And the future takes shape on multiple fronts. Brad Scott takes the game's most contentious duties. The board begins to set for the trade period. And Carlton lands Brian Cook in a major administrative coup. This is Crunch Time. It's a slightly odd Saturday. Might be the oddest Saturday of the footy season. Not sure about you, but I find myself wishing it was grand final day. The wait goes on. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. We will, in this program, set up the Brown the Brownlow medal. Jack Steele, the St Kilda Best and Ferris, is going to join us. We'll hear at Simon. We'll drop into Simon Goodwin's press conference, which will land in the second hour. Should it go ahead, we're waiting to find out how the coach is and whether he remains in isolation. Uh, so we've got all manner of material to kick around, that's for sure. Justin Lepich is with me, Lepper. Hello. Hello, Jared. The positive is you get me for one more week. That's so right. that is the one good thing about <laughs> delaying this grand final. Oh, no, there is another good thing. <laughs> yeah, the the right? long-promised full menu of food analogies yes. from Justin Lepich. Degustation. Which is, it has been on the back burner 
We're going to bring it to the forefront in the second hour of Crunch Time today. Oh, I've been preparing this meal for a long time. I actually <laughs> last night had to sit there and make a few adjustments and all of a sudden Collingwood's looking more like caviar. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we don't want to give too much away. Um, we'll chat about that a bit later. Over in the West, Kane Corns is with us. Hello, Kane. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, it's, I feel very uh, privileged to be here and then lucky to be here. The build-up has been like nothing we've seen before because of the week off, which I know you want to speak about, Jared, and, and whether it has a place in the future of the game. But um, the, the people are, have been great. There's been, you know, I think when you see Mark McGowan, uh, the Premier, you, you sense a bit of arrogance about him. There's been none of that from the people of Perth. Like, they are genuinely understanding of how privileged they are to hold this. They've been incredibly welcoming and I think they're going to do a really good job of putting on an amazing show. So uh, looking forward to what's going to be a huge week over here. And Sam Edmund, hello to you. Good morning, guys. Great to be with you again for a big episode of Crunch Time. The latest news from Melbourne is that coach is okay, Jared. So Simon Goodwin out of his little isolation period. Adam Uze, the assistant coach, the same after those gastro-like symptoms. So he'll do his press conference via Zoom today and then he'll take control of a training session tonight. And it is their main training session under Lights the D. So they'll be relieved to have him back and, moreover, that it hasn't seemingly at this point anyway spread anywhere else. Kane, do you find yourself wishing that it was grand final day? Yeah, I've thought about. It. I, I do. I do only because there's the anxiety of the the, the COVID stuff. Like it's just a week of risk, isn't it? Um, you know, they've done a phenomenal job, and it would take something extraordinary for it to, to infiltrate itself in here. But I would feel much more relieved if the game was today, and then we could move on with the season and, and get it done. Um, having said that, though, I think it's going to be a really good celebration for the game, and in future. I'd probably prefer this buy than the pre-finals buy. I just think it, I think it makes the final set up a little bit more, a little bit fairer for the top four sides and those that qualify in the first final and have that week off. And then Melbourne in grand final week is is the best week on the sporting calendar. If you spread that across two weeks, I think it could be phenomenal. Out of COVID times when things get back to normal, so I, I'm I'm not convinced I'm ready to get rid of it yet and I think it's a better spot than the pre-finals buy but this year yeah I think I'm with you Jared. I think I'd, I'd, I'd be relieved if the game was being played today what do you think yeah, yeah I, I'm edgy <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have a dog in the fight yeah. oh look I think there's a lot of positives to it that that we can create in the two weeks I'm with Kane this year it hasn't been terrific because there's nothing for us to look at but if you look at the way they do it in the states they you know, they have the all-star game where all the players that missed out in the grand final. So basically, our all-Australian teams, or well, let's say the best 40 or 50 that aren't playing in the grand final have a bit of an all-stars game or however that looks. So that, that promotes the week. We, 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 it sort of promotes every club as well and celebrates the game. We can celebrate women's footy within it as well. There's so many things we can do to celebrate that game in that two weeks and, and make it an event, um, not just an event for one game, an event for the whole of sports, a whole of our, our sport. So there, there's the possibility. But if we're just going to roll up, yeah, and just have a grand final day, I'm with you, Jared. Let's just have it the next week because there's no point delaying it unless we're going to make it some sort of parade of, of, parade of sport. I like it, Jared. Oh, I've got to be honest, it isn't the popular opinion to have, and I'm probably going to inflame a few people's tempers here, but I like it. I mean, in a normal season, you can put all the awards around the week and the weekend off. So you can have the under-18s involved as well. You can have your All-Australians. You can have your Brownlows. You can have, oh, look, your skills challenges or your, your, your All-Star games and the like. But it's a bit like at the moment. If your mum and dad let you open up the Christmas presents early, then you don't get that magical moment on Christmas Day, Jared. It takes it away. It's, it's absence makes the heart grow fonder sort of stuff, and it is building. This is the hardest part right here, Jared. So we've got the shakes a little bit at the moment, the, the symptoms. But 
by the time next week comes around and we get out of the other side of the Brownlow, it'll be absolutely ready to pop. It's the anticipation that makes it palpable for Miles. Sam, what I, what I reckon I've found is that it's going to take some some really strong leadership from the footy clubs because we, we've seen this week, everyone's looking for a story that wouldn't mm. usually probably be there if we're building up to the game and we're working out who's going to win and who's going to play on who and all that sort of stuff. So this week we've had Melbourne's curfew tonight that that that, be, that became a story um we've had simon goodwin getting sick we've had luke beveridge upset about a video that's been leaked to them like everyone is looking mm. for some sort of angle to get it in the in the news that, that's your job to do that so it's it's a week extra of clubs batting away that media scrutiny and how open are you to the media how hard you're going to train that's been a story look yeah. this, this stuff just wouldn't be a, so it's going to take really strong leadership from the clubs and for a, it'll be really difficult for a player like to to have experienced uh, and Leper can um, explain it as experiencing grand final week as a player. It's the best week of your life, and it's just so it's something on every day. Now that's been delayed by a week, and you're just sitting there. You just don't want to play the game over in your head a million times because you've got so much time to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, imagine the the beauty of delaying it even longer, just that even the stress and pain for the players. One thing I loved about the, the Western Bulldogs, I guess, tape that was leaked, they've been doing this for, what, four or five years. Yeah. That's the beauty. Mm. That shows a little bit about that football club. A lot of clubs, that wouldn't survive three weeks without it getting out. So I know Bevo's a little upset by it, but I think they need to be rewarded to how tight-knit a unit it is that that hasn't got out over a long period of time. So 2016, they were doing that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So credit there um, that it's been hidden. So I think it's fantastic. I think it shows footy clubs. One thing I know about football clubs is that some of the worst footy clubs get a bit too stressed you know they get a little bit they don't have outlets and it's great to show that the best footy teams actually have outlets and have ways to let the players be themselves and what they want to be so I think that was terrific well to state the obvious or ask the obvious Jared there's an equality sort of issue with it I mean the dogs are still in isolation at the moment so if we were to have a grand final this weekend they would be in quarantine right up until the grand final I mean does that Gil McLaughlin certainly painted that sort of a picture around it anyway. And the other scenario was that they could have been coming from Queensland in a Brisbane prelim, which would have been worse. Yeah, it's probably retrofitting to how it's panned out. But that's okay. So what sort of suite of events would you have? So you could have potentially the All-Australians on the Tuesday night, the MVPs on the Thursday night, the Brownlow on the Sunday night. Saturday around the country, you could invite every country and suburban league to play their grand final. Mm. on the bye Saturday to, to restructure everything. It's totally everybody's choice. Yeah. Community footy celebration. You could make that the biggest, and Saturday and Sunday. So choose that weekend to play every community grand final that there is. You might even invite the Sandful and the Waffle to see if they wanted to occupy that weekend. You'd put the Brownlow on the Sunday night. Then you'd need something in the middle of grand final week to do, get you to the parade on Friday. Do you though or do you just have the normal sort of week build up with the the longest kicks and the sort of gimmicks ar- around the place that occupy and then the training sessions and then we really zero in on the game itself I don't know but. In the the options are amazing and I love the idea of, 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 of sort of making a bigger deal of the Sandful grand final and the Waffle grand final into all those things, Queensland, just to give their game some highlight throughout mm. the week as well. I, I think there's a, amazing opportunities in it. Two appointments occupy our minds today, the first of which is Brian Cook as the Carlton Chief Executive. So you've posed the question a couple of times, Leper, how does Carlton go about restoring a level of trust? They just did it. Brian Cook is the man to step into a football club at this time with all that he knows about culture and all that he knows about leadership to offer them direction. If, If I'm a Carlton fan, this is the first time I'm going, yep, okay, 
that this we are now in really good hands. Yeah, I think so too. And I think if you're even a coach around the industry, you're looking around going, oh, okay, I'd like to work with this guy. He, he looks like he's got great... Um, I guess, respect uh, for the game, for everyone within it, and he runs a great process. He's got great history, and he's a level, calm head, and he'd be a terrific man to be around. So that, when you hire someone of those credentials, that, that attracts others. That attracts other people to you. So well done. A fantastic appointment by Carlton. And, and it's the it's the first step for them to turn it around. And I'll be interested to see, does he... Because they want a process at the moment. Um, that's been what's happening. But will he want to, you know, get his hands on the wheel a little bit in that process? Are they going to keep doing the process, or is he going to decide I'm taking it over? I'm not sure. So he's got great heritage in this. He unexpectedly was presented with a coaching vacancy at Geelong at the end of 2010 when Mark Thompson left. And a lot of this is documented. It is mm. Cooks of the view that the biggest decision your club makes is the hiring of a senior coach. And you don't leave it to anyone else. You don't have people on the outside doing it. You recognise what does your football club need and then you go about it. So he and Neil Baum went about it uh, of choosing their coach. He actually went as far as documenting the formula that they developed. It was a criteria with a weighting associated, which historically is listed as leadership and culture development, 25%. Personal qualities, 15%. Management ability, 15%. Technical ability, 20%. Coaching history, 10%. The ability to communicate, 10%. Commercial appeal, such as brand focus and ability to relate to members, 5%. So if I'm Carlton and I've just hired Brian Cook, you go, oh, look, we have this process running, but this is all your brief now. It's your choice whether you continue with that or this is... You are running the business, and the biggest decision that's to be made is who's going to be the coach. It's all yours. The, f- the funny part is we, we talk about the importance of the coach, and I've spoken a few times on this show about how it, it needs to be a bit spread. What was technical ability there? Was it 20%? Yes. Yep. 20%. So there you go. So there's the, the greatest CEO we've had in our game, almost, or arguably, and he said 20% is about how smart you are, basically, and technically. So it, it, it does fall to a lot of people um, in your footy department. So what's great to see is a CEO that actually takes responsibility and comes out and says, this is what we need to win. A lot just sort of come in and float around the edges and, and, and either don't know or, or um, don't really understand the process. So I love that. And, I, and I, if I was a coach, I'd love to come in knowing why I'm there. Well, you're there because you've got great leadership qualities you can do. So focus on these three or four things, and we're going to get a guy around you to help you with this and this, and another guy to help you with that. So that's that's terrific to have a great starting point like that. Kane? Well, they needed to land one, didn't they, Jared? Like it's the first one, as you alluded to, that um, you know they've had a few swings and a few misses. This is Luke Sayers I'm talking about. So whether the offer was just too good for him to refuse in the end, and whether he was looking to wind down um, his role, and he just couldn't, in the end, say no to, to this offer. But yeah, it gives gives the club some credibility, and it and it gives brings someone in from outside. I mean, the Carlton's starting point has always been to look internally, and even recently to look to the club legends. Well, this. this this gives them someone from outside who can come in and go, well, yeah, you've you've done this for the last. Well, we're not doing that anymore. You've it's, so you, you that's the way you've gone. Nut, scrap that. Bring him in. Move them. Like, I just think it's great to have a fresh set of eyes and someone who's been around success and that aura of a great football person to come in and, and change the way things that have been done with a few club legends for a long, long time. The biggest question being asked in every corner of football today, Sam, is. Can Cookie land yeah. Clarko? What does it mean, the yeah. stepping stone? If you like, well, well, but more over to that, we know Carlton set up off the field. Kane Little, the one, the thing that he did do well, not the one thing, it's a big part of his job and his brief, is financially they're as stable and strong as they've ever been. 
the question is all around the football department. So where can Brian Cook take them in terms of the hunt for a senior coach? We know they've got the subcommittee lined up, but he's coming in to take that steering wheel, as he should, on his three-year deal. So... We hear Daniel Gere in Syracuse has been quite impressive here. So my understanding is he is right in the mix prior to Brian Cook uh, coming in to take control. We know that Brad Scott's at the AFL. Ross Lyons pulled out. Nathan Buckley's reportedly declined the opportunity to take part in the process. So that leaves Gia, Adam Kingsley, Jamie Graham, and the former senior coaches in Michael Voss and Don Pike. James Henderson has had to put up with me contacting him constantly about his main client, uh, Alistair Clarkson. He assures me nothing has changed, Jared. He wants to take a year off coaching. So we can only keep asking the question and keep getting the same no. So I would think that Brian Cook's had contact with Alistair Clarkson over the past two or three weeks. I would think that is absolutely natural. And only the two of them will know as we sit here yeah. today, whether they've had a conversation which could lead to something or whether they've had the conversation that doesn't lead anywhere. Hmm. We wait. We, we can only ask the question and wait. I mean, we know that Alistair Clarkson wants to go overseas. He wants to go over to the States and enrol in some leadership courses and management courses over there. How's he gone with that? Is he going? Is he staying? If he stays, will he still take the year off? And how much does uh, Brian Cook change the landscape, Even, not just for Alistair Clarkson, but maybe for Ross Lyon as well? So if they were worried, if from the outside you were worried about what was Mick described as the viper's nest, yep. what Mick Malthouse described as the viper's nest, Kane, is the presence of Brian Cook would give you great surety that this is, this is a job worth contemplating. Uh, well, I, it's a, I've said the whole time, like even with the with the the mess that it's been in for the last six weeks, I, it is a great job to get. I have a big Victorian club that has been starved of success for a long time. You've got a good list to work with. The, the possibility of adding another young midfielder, um, Cherry, into the mid. This is this is a prime job, honestly. I know, I know, and and which which coach does take over a club that's in great shape? It just doesn't really happen does it you, you don't move on the coach for for no reason so usually a new coach comes in for a reason when the club isn't great but I just think Carlton are prime to to win a final next year and and get them back on the map provided that they get a coach who comes in with a structure and a team around them that can teach these players over a pre-season the defensive mechanisms that is in line with the way that the modern teams like Melbourne and others have defended the ground. So, look, if I was if I was a coach and I had aspirations, you know, you don't get many opportunities, but I'd I'd love to have a shot at Carlton. Yeah, I think one thing he fixes, um, and it's, it's I think there's a lot of coaches who would sit there and go exactly with Kane. That's a plum job, and even now, even the last six weeks, you'd be saying that because look at their team; it's pretty mm. good. Mm. Like you'd want to coach that, but it's not that that's been the issue. Look, the, the history is, um, you know, five coaches in ten years, so. It's not the it's not the list. It's not that the people. It's it's whether the people around the club know how to commit to a coach. Whereas this appointment by Brian Cook, I think, ticks a lot of that b- box for a, a lot of coaches out there that will be swaying. Oh, I like the list, but oh, what's what sort of support am I getting? Like that would be the the, the to and throw. I think of the, the the future coaches out there. Even Alistair Clarkson was was thinking that. So maybe this changes his mind as well. Um, so that's the positive. This this appointment is massive. It's bigger than what people think because it changes the opinion of not just the players and the confidence and the staff around, but also the coaching fraternity and the, the support they know they'll get with a guy that's proven he gives 10 years to coaches, not you know one or two. So that's a big thing. The other appointment that uh, will shape the game was the appointment of Brad Scott as the general manager of football. So not the executive general manager of the football department, 
But he has the most contentious portfolio in football, which ties in umpiring and game analysis and the MRO and the tribunal and the competition committee. Like, I thought... There aren't a lot of wins to be had in that portfolio, no. but there is. Uh, it is the most important one in how the game unfolds. And I did, you made me chuckle yesterday, Kane, as you just outlined <laughs> the uh, nature of things as he comes to this job. Well, the, the problem with the job is, like, if there's a great game of footy on, like we saw the, the final, say, between Brisbane and the Western Bulldogs, we're, we're all talking, what an unbelievable, this is the best final we've ever seen. Like, no one's ever going, hey, Steve Hocking, great job, great job with the way that you've um, shaped the game, so we get a spectacle like that in a big final. The problem is when there's a bad game and there's 15 players behind the ball and it's a dour affair and there's a few poor umpiring decisions and there's a shocking decision at the tribunal, we all go, oh, that's his fault. So it's just, it's a thankless job, isn't it? Like no one ever, ever is complimentary when we have things going well, but when things go poorly, I'm just interested, uh, Leper and Sam, about how aggressive he is because Stephen Hawking couldn't have been more aggressive. Uh, so, so nine tweaks, I think it was. I went through it yesterday uh, in 2018, a further three significant rule changes, and he was going down the path of probably reducing interchange again. It didn't work in terms of scoring. Like, scoring is down, and part of that is accuracy, and I get all of that. So how aggressive he was didn't probably do what he thought it would, and that was to make it more free-flowing and higher scoring and more highlights. Coaches sort of as they do, mitigated that. So it's just whether Brad Scott lets things simmer for a little bit or whether he continues down the path that Steve was going on and that really aggressive change the game in order to open things up. I'll be fascinated to see what he does. Yeah, it is interesting. You're right. It's the worst job in the world. Oh. I think no, I think we'd all hate to do that one. Any, any job in the footy industry... Um, and it's not. I think it, in one way it's fantastic because you had high influence on the game. Um, but yet you're right; it's a, it's a completely thankless task. I think one thing having a a former senior coach in that role, I think what he'll understand is what he's implementing. What what will be counteracted? I think sometimes with the rules that have come in in the past, we're bringing in the stand rule, but we're not sure what it will do, what we will it will create. Um, so I think one thing um, Brad will be able to do is go, okay, if, if I was coaching against this, what will I do to counteract it? And then you can decide. Geez, that's not going to really change the game at all. And in fact, it could make the game worse. So that, I think that's the the next part of the the puzzle for Brad. And that's, I think that's what he'll bring. This it's going to be really good to the job. Well, the early messaging from him, Jared, is that he might let it breathe for a while. I mean, that's that he hasn't got the, the the feet under the desk yet. But the early indication from him is, him is that he won't be the big agent of change, at least early on, that Steve Hocking was. And you go through his brief; it is an enormous job. That's after the restructure too. Like it shows you what Steve Hocking was dealing with. So the, this is after the restructure that sees he and Laura Kane as the general manager of competition management, reporting to Andrew Dillon as executive general manager of football. So. It's a transition from coaching to admin. He admitted it happened quicker than he thought, 18 months. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes with it. So the MRO tribunal piece is, um, that's that's the easiest piece of work to get your teeth into because it needs reform. This has not been a great year for the judicial system as the two branches seem completely unaligned. So while the tribunal is an independent body, is they should have some feel as to the rules that the AFL is asking to be implemented. And that I think that's broken down through the year. And then I do think the MRO made one bad decision on the first game of the year. Yeah. And that, that the ripple effect of that is quite telling. So 
that's I don't know whether it has to be an overhaul, but it certainly needs to be a realignment at the very least. Is this another no-win subject, though, in a no-win job? I mean, there's yeah. always going to be friction when it comes to the MRI. There will the be, and it is, there's always contentious. But you couldn't make the case that the judicial system has adequately served the game this year. No, you couldn't. But rarely, I think, could you? Could I think sometimes the... Criticism of it is just shrill and completely lacks in understanding of the way the system is there to operate, but it hasn't this year. Mm. A lot of the criticism has been spot on because the two arms of government couldn't agree on what they were trying to do. Maybe a bit more pub test, Kane. Do you think get the old pub test flavour back into it? Well, it's it's hard because we had the we had the chart for so long, didn't we? You know, you you plug it into the chart, and this equals that, and that, and then you had more people on it. Then it was reduced to one, but it felt as though you know Stephen Hawking was a massive influence over um, the tribunal findings. It was almost like it was you know in consultation with Michael Christian and Stephen Hawking. So so should Brad Scott should Brad Scott Jared be on the MRO, should, should he be consulting with Michael Christian if that's the way you want to go and having an influence over the way that he sees the findings or should it be completely separate and someone else's job, whether it's one person in Michael Christian, whether it's a panel of three, but should that role, the, the general manager of football, be involved in the tribunal findings? Yes, he should because the, the AFL, the first level of finding is the AFL's rules. It's the mm. second level where it gets tested independently. The idea that the MRO would somehow be independent of the guy who's running football, I've always thought bizarre. I don't think that's accurate, though. I mean, Steve Hawking always came in to, for lack of a better word, tick off what Michael Christian was. Yeah, so that, that's that's necessary. And then you take it to the tribunal to have your own mm. rules tested. So I think that that you couldn't roll this MRO tribunal out again next year without a serious thought piece involved in it. And then there is the, I think there's a general plea for something to be done around holding the ball. Definitely. Oh, yeah, I think. So. Would, it, would this be something you'd be interested in? You, like, you love no, the I love MRO. This, oh, no, I love no. this portfolio. Yeah, you no. say who would want to do yeah, I no. love this This portfolio. is a geek's paradise. This but, is my stuff. But, but even things like the MRO, Brad Scott's only very new to admin. He admitted that himself. Would, would he need, like, you love the MRO, you look into the detail of it, you read everything. Would it be worth him consulting some people that have done a lot of work on it, like you, Jared, to, to come up with something that's better then? Because I find this is the hardest one to actually. Because what, what is the difference between what Toby Green did and what Joel Selwood did? Yeah, so that is what we're really asking And because there's a two-week difference at this point in time. And if you just grabbed a guy on the street that never watched the game before, you go, oh, yeah, that's the same thing. So we have to work out why that is different. And there's only, a, I think, a handful of people that can logically sit down and shape the differences to why. And the only difference maybe is the end result. The other difference might be, we spoke about a little bit when that happened with Toby Green, he put his arm past his body. It went it went through. So maybe there's a little bit more of a technical element that can break it down even further. So to give some clarity to the people to know what they're watching. Yeah, so raised elbows and head trauma. Yeah. Uh, they are, if you go right to the core of this year, it's raised elbows and head trauma. Mm. Sort that and- out. And and how much the the injury affects it? Like, are we penalising the outcome or the action? It w- would be something that I'd be interested in as well. So, if if Franklin swings an elbow back and it uh, it connects, but the player's not concussed, whereas someone else does it, the Toby Green and Dangerfield goes to hospital. Like, how much weighting do we put on the action, and how much do we put on the outcome? I reckon it's gone too far on the outcome rather than the action. Yeah, so he doesn't need to consult Brad Scott. He just needs absolute clarity and conviction in what he wants from the system. 
and then he can ignore the people who don't understand the system but comment on it. But at, at its heart, you go, this is what we want it to do. This is how we want it to serve the game. And it's his portfolio. So plant your flag and provide the leadership that the game needs. And yes, there will be people weekly who criticise it, but if it is serving the vision of this is what we need from the game, that's all it needs to do. So get that in alignment. And Jack Steele is going to join us. St Kilda Best and Fair. It's one of the key four chances in the Brownlow medal. Leper's menu. Every club as a food analogy. God, we've been waiting all year for this. Kane's going to give us the five most in-demand people in Perth right now as we build the grand final vibe on Crunch Time. He's one of them. (laughs) You're listening to Crunch Time. For the Western Auto Group, the future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs. Jeep and West, where are we, Jeep? And for Red Rooster, Jared, I wonder if they'll get a mention in uh, Leper's menu because their delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. This time next week, we'll be deep in conversation around Melbourne and the Bulldogs as they head towards the 2021 Grand Final. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Kane Corns is in Perth. Justin Lepich with us. So just a little, um, just a chalk outline of the two teams as they sit here through the bye, Kane. As you mentioned Melbourne before and, and what's real and what's not, just the little stuff which is mm. getting obsessed over, which will end up meaning nothing next mm. Saturday night. The real stuff would seem to be how you choose your preparation with the curiosity of week off play, week off play. Well, that, that's that's it. That, exactly right. The the other stuff is is irrelevant, really. It's it's media it's, it's media speculation that everyone's looking for a story. That what I am interested in is their preparation and how they go about it because uh, it's set up beautifully for the Western Bulldogs. Now, I don't think the Western Bulldogs have as good a team as Melbourne in terms of the way that they've played all year, but the preparation that they've had is perfect with this week off. They've got a couple of key players that will come back in. They can afford to take it a little bit easier and a little bit more conservative on the training track this week, as Luke Beveridge has alluded to. But Melbourne have nailed it really, haven't they? Like They, they nailed the bye last time and they came out red hot against Geelong. So Darren Burgess is in charge of their fitness program. He's been around for a long time. He's as good as any in the game. He, he will have them mapped out to the, the, the absolute kilometre in terms of their preparation, how much high speed running they need to do, how, how much match play. Is it, is it half an hour? Is it 25? Is it 45? He'll have that all mapped out and he'll have them ready to go. I guess it comes with a, with a level of risk if they're going to go hard for, say, a 40-minute match practice this weekend, which I assume they would. But that's that's what happens in in footy. Um, all I know is they're in they're in pretty good hands, and the way that they handled the last week off, uh, whatever they did, I'd be trying to replicate that because they were red hot against Geelong in that first quarter. How big are these decisions, Lepper? Well, I've been uh, lucky enough to be in this situation a lot um, with with the buy training. So uh, what's, uh, it seems to be Melbourne's doing is what Richmond did standard uh, wise is pretty much almost have a game the week before the you know it's it's not a full game it's almost mm. equivalent to a, a you know half a game in in loads is what. Kane's talking about, but also it's the manic nature that you're exposing the players to. They need to keep that for their for their brain as much as their their physical, so they know they've been hit. They've no, you know, one of the worst things for me right now, the thought of is someone walking up and hitting me. I can't believe there was a stage in my life where I used to just embrace it, you know, because <laughs> it's just the thought of it. I'm cringing right now. So you, so it just by that I mean you just got to get used to constantly staying hit and hit and hit. Kane didn't have to worry because about 50 people a game used to hit him, so. <laughs> He could probably have a week off, but yeah, you need you need to keep you need to keep that hits up as well. So uh, yeah, go on. And, and I I just think so. I wonder what 
yeah, I wonder what Luke Beveridge is is plotting for for Melbourne. So and and how much do they? So so what they might do for their match situation is you know, one team is Melbourne this weekend, and the other team is Western Bulldogs, and they'll go at it. But just little things around Max Gorn, and it just got me thinking about uh, when Leper said hitting. Like like how many hits do they want to put into Max Gorn? I mean, we we sometimes would would have a target for an opposition key player that I, I want to see them hit a hundred times. Now that that's not a that's not a punch. That's but every time they run past you I want someone to bump into them that's one hit we used to measure these types of things and all right, if there's maybe if there's one chink in Gorn's armour and this is not this is hasn't happened recently you know you've got to go back maybe 12 months it, it, that, that physical attention off the ball maybe he hasn't a couple of times just from games I've seen Port Adelaide play and one time Adelaide played him they really went after him uh, maybe that's one area that they can look to, to expose. But what's Luke Beveridge plotting with his training and his preparation to, to take on Melbourne and come up with something like he did with Port Adelaide to completely ambush Ken Hinckley in the Port Adelaide side? Can he do that against Melbourne? He's got a bit of time to, to, to plan that. All right, we'll be knee-deep in that next week as we contemplate at this time how the grand final is going to pan out. We want a flavour of Perth. Kane, mm. I heard you yesterday raise the concept of who's the king of Perth and thought, no, we have to go further with this. We have to go further. We want five up to one of the biggest draw card in Perth right now. So it's it's fascinating, right? Because I because I come from a two team town. Like Adelaide is it's footy mad, really. Like and and Crow's the number one. But to, so, and I thought, you know, we're crazy. Like the, the coverage in the paper, the news, like there, there has to be, you know, at least three footy stories on the news every day, really, in Adelaide. And it's only two teams, you know, similar to Melbourne, but it's spread out across 10 teams. This is next level over here. Like the, 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 there are players that are, you know, the 15th player on the list with a media deal. Like that, that just, it just wouldn't, like for in Adelaide, and we're mad, you, you probably get two players from each team with a media deal. They've got nearly every player here with a car deal. Like they're, <laughs> they're, they're absolute rock stars over here. They, they are nuts, so it's next level. Every time you turn the TV on, someone's on. So I'll give you, I'll give you the five, four, three, two, one. So I reckon sneaking into five, Jared, I've seen so much of Ryan Daniels. Now, Sam, um, you, you journos are a little bit competitive, but he's this young <laughs> up and this is young up and coming newsbreaker. He broke the story about Lockie Neal. He's done the Olympics coverage. Yep. He writes a column in the paper today. I see his news reports. He's down there amongst the people when they're trying to get their grand final tickets. The other day, he sees the next big thing. The footy Perth. rhino. I, I, the footy I rhino. The, the footy. He's come from the clouds. The I know. Are out. He, he's had as big as twelve months in terms of an increase in reputation as anyone in the game, I reckon. So he's he's sneaking into into number five. Nat Fife's number four. Uh, so Fife's at all the, the parades. He's, he's obviously mates with Basil. They're down at the... Uh, there are all sorts of news coverages. And every time I turn the TV on, I seem to see Nat Fife with the crazy haircut. So I reckon he's number four. He's a Channel Sneak- 7 colleague too. He, yeah, he's, he's definitely Channel 7. So he, you'll see a lot of Nat Fife this week. I've already seen media releases in the paper today about Fife's got about six appearances next. So he's he number four. Now, sneaking into number three is our man, and th- this is extraordinary because he's from Melbourne. Uh, and Gary Lyon is, no- is number three on the list of the Kings of Perth. I- so I went out for dinner <laughs> with Gary. I, w- 
went out for dinner with Gary last night. No, no joke. Every third person wants a selfie with Gary. He's getting, he's, he's staying at the Crown. He's got the big suite. They're just, he just reckons he has been looked after like an absolute rock star. And he, he's the most in demand ticket, I reckon, in Perth at the moment. And I couldn't give him number one because he's not from Perth, but he's number three at the moment. Uh, the mayor's, uh, number two. So Basil, he's on the four o'clock news. He's on the six o'clock news. He's doing breakfast radio. He writes a column and he's also the mayor so um he is number two but i reckon i reckon the king of perth still is nick nat like nick nick nat is is the king of perth and it's gonna i think he's got tabs on that for a good 30 years like he, he is he is the man over here so he's the coolest cat over here that you can imagine so nick nat the most famous football person in perth from my brief experience of being here for a week Love where's it. the west coast coach kane surely on the speaking circuit with the money getting thrown around <laughs> I, for insight I, he'd have to be up there i haven't seen a lot of uh, adam simpson i i did his his quote on jared show on 360 about how the coaches are handled. that got a fair that got a fair amount of coverage yeah, i haven't yeah. seen a lot of I haven't seen a lot of adam simpson <laughs> he was touting or, for business. or john Longmont. oh john, was. sorry who Justin is the lo- who is the lowest rank player then in Perth that does have a media deal and what media is it? I want to know who that person is. I know. Well, so this is this is sort of secondhand, but I was told from, from someone who is in this space, and um, shout out to Hutchie, 25, 25 players have media deals in Perth. Wow. One, one Mick Nat, two Basil, three Gaz, four Nat Five, five Ryan Daniels with a yep. bullet. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. On Crunch Time tomorrow night, the Brownlow Medal, the club best and fairest, has been staged at the moment and recognising another season of excellence for St Kilda. He went back-to-back in the Trevor Barker Medal last night. Jack Steele. Jack, congratulations and welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Is there a note of satisfaction in backing up such a fine season with another and, uh, and picking up the club's best and fairest? Yeah, it was uh, it was a great night, and very honoured to have uh, won a, another Trevor Barker Award. So, yeah, something that I'm very proud of, and um, it was great to see um, some blokes get rewarded for, for some really good seasons, like Max King and um, Tim Membry and Jack Sinclair too. So, yeah, it was a great night. There is a measure with a little idea toward tomorrow night. There's a measure by which you poll the most votes in the last eight rounds of the home and away season. Mm-hmm. In fact, it would be a surprise if that didn't happen. Are you going anywhere? Have you been, are you going into Channel 7 tomorrow night? Yeah, so there's a, I think there's a small group of um, players that are in Melbourne um, that are heading into Channel 7 tomorrow night for the broadcast. And uh, yeah, it'd be different. It'd be like a Brownlow that I haven't been to before. Um, very different scenario but it'll be it'll be fun i'm sure and i'll really look forward to seeing what happens um not really expecting to win but i think it'll be quite a fun night will you give yourself a sneaky chance in the back of your mind oh i'll definitely i'll definitely have a few words ready um just in case but um i'm I'm certainly not expecting to win it i think there's some really good players um that are up there that have had great seasons with their respective clubs so I think they'll go well um, and probably, yeah, I would say either Ollie Wines or um, probably Marcus Bondapelli are my pick. Hey, Jack, well done. Uh, great season, mate. Um, we just want to quickly touch on the Saints. Obviously, it's an interesting year for him. I'm really interested to what 
Brett Ratton said after the end of the season, you had that, that month or six weeks of footy that was absolutely amazing where you're smashing all the teams that contested footy and there's other weeks where it sort of fell apart. We thought you're a long way from finals and then all of a sudden you're right on finals doorstep and you're an absolute chance and it fell away at the end. What, what was the messaging at the end from, from Brett Ratton? Um, it, was, it was basically just to tell us that our best is good enough and if we can just really apply ourselves and bring that level of consistency throughout the whole season that we can match it with anyone and um, obviously we didn't make finals and we had a we took a backward step on, on what we did last year um, but we had a lot go wrong we had a lot of injuries and um, you know plenty that happened outside of, um, of the club so I think yeah we can't really blame those things but um, yeah, we can definitely take confidence out of the back half of this uh, back half of this year and um, I'm sure a lot of our blokes that are out of form um, will do that and yeah hopefully we can just roll into 2022 with um, a bit of momentum yeah and then obviously there's a there's the hub life as well isn't it which sort of compounds a lot of things for everybody have you had any word yet from the club in regards to the, the COVID situation and will it stop training will it stop potentially pre-season training or will what we're doing with the vaccination almost streamline the pre-season yeah, we're not we're not too sure what the the, the off season and the and the start of the preseason really looks like for us as players. I think they're still working through that um, as a club because um, it is quite difficult. A lot of us are still stuck here in Melbourne, and really we're not getting a break because we're at home not doing a whole lot. It doesn't feel like we're on um, you know our, our leave, so we're getting to to work and we're, we're trying to stay fit and, and keep fit and not really getting too much of a spell. So even if we um, I suppose get back into the club earlier and get a bit more of a spell over Christmas when things open up. Um, that might be a way to look at it, but still, still haven't heard anything from the club. But I'll be interested to hear what it is. Congratulations, Jack! Phenomenal, an absolute runaway victory last night. I'm interested in one of your most talented players, and that's uh, Jack Billings. He didn't finish in the top ten last night, despite playing 18 games. He's just signed a fresh four-year deal. What, what's your expectations of him? And how much improvement does he have left in his game? Um, yeah, it's great that he's signed on with us for another four years. And we've seen JB um, quite a lot at his best over the years and, and what he can do, the potential he has. Um, and he'll be the first one to put his hand up and say that he probably didn't perform how he would have liked during the year. Um, but I think for him, it's just getting back to the basics. Um, he's a really hard trainer and, and a really great preparer for, for training and games. So... Um, I think he just needs to hone on his craft, um, focus on his role. I think he sort of got chopped and changed around with what, with what his role was this year, playing wing half forward. So I think if he can just sort of settle into one role um, going into next year, that'll really help him. But um, that's just another one for us. I feel he had an off year and um, didn't really help us as a team, but I feel like he can just really take his game to the next level in the, in the next couple of years going forward. So looking, looking forward to seeing how he can um, you know, progress. Jack, congratulations on what you've done and good luck tomorrow night on what will be a rather odd brown, though. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Good on you. Jack Steele there. So back-to-back Trevor Barker Awards. And Kane, ready to be standalone captain? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a a fine achievement by him. Um, Interesting stories around clubs at the moment, around all the players going into the club to get their break away from home. There's nothing else to do. So I wonder what that looks like in the long term as well. Sam's going to walk us through all the trade material from the week and all the possibilities that are live at the moment. It seems to get broader by the day, and that's 
that's pretty typical. The board getting set for the trade period to follow the grand final. And uh, then Lepper's going to unveil his full 18-course menu. Listening to Crunch Time, you are the Werribee Jeep and Caroline Springs Jeep stocks the all-new Jeep Compass for your convenience. Crunch Time, the Gap Saturday. Heading to the grand final, Kane is over in Perth. Justin Lepich is with us. He's cooked up a tasty dish for lunchtime on this Big day. Jared Waitley and Sam Edmund with you. So, Melbourne and Bulldogs fans are utterly absorbed and obsessed with what's to come. The fans of 16 other clubs are pondering how things might change. Mm. And almost by the hour during the week, the trade period started, the table started to get set with just a little bit of movement here and a hint of things happening there. So Sam Edmund's going to walk us through all that we know. Crunch time for the the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. Justin Lepich is going to put his Collingwood top on and see how many of them would look good in black and white. How many can we link to Collingwood? (laughs) All of them. (laughs) And Kane Corns will uh, will set us up as um, he's an expert of the trade period, having done trade radio for a good number of years now. So we can pick through that. So we're gearing up for a big trade period of footy for Dometic. Fuel your adventure with Dometic's outdoor drinkware. Sam, you lead the way. Well, we might start with Richmond. And and what happened this week was their longest serving captain, Trent Cochin, surrendered the captain. It had been coming for a while, 31 years of age, another year to run on his contract there in the playing sense, but no surprise and probably the right move to, I guess, uh, usher through the next leader of that football club as the longest serving captain of the Tigers. So the contenders, Dylan Grimes, Jack Graham, Dustin Martin, Nick Floston, is there one that jumps off the page for you, Justin Lepich, who would um, be a perfect fit? Uh, this might get a headline, won't it? <laughs> um, oh, I like Dylan Grimes, but, you know, do they want to go that age? It's going to be the question. Mm. Okay. Kane, someone come to mind for you? Well, a couple. No obvious one. I wonder Tom Lynch. Like, I don't know, Lepper can – I don't know Tom Lynch, but I know he's captain Gold Coast Suns, and um, I know his form probably hasn't been as great as he would have loved, but is he someone that could – be a captain of that footy club, so I'd, I'd explore that if I could. Now, the Tigers are going to be relatively active in the trade period, Jerry. Just before you move on, so can you see Dustin Martin as mm. Captain Kane? Yes. Yeah, I can. I, I think he can put his... If he wanted to put his mind to it, he could He could be a, a phenomenal captain. A, di- a different captain, but not... Not dissimilar to Chris. I mean, Chris Judd wasn't uh, over out there and doing media all the time and, and engaging like that. Now, I've, I've, I've never met Dustin Martin, but from what I've observed from him on the field and the way that he's matured and developed, absolutely, I could see him as captain. I think he'd do a great job. And, and Lepper, can you give us a salute for Trent Cochin and what he was able to do for that team? Is that so many fans sent through that message of sacrificed his game for what Richmond needed to become, led that. And then he's got just he's got quintessential moments that you can nail down. For me, it will always be the spin through again in the qualifying final against Geelong in 2017. That absolute marker of who he was, how he chose to lead and set Richmond up on their path for three premierships. Yeah, I messaged Koch this week to congratulate him on his time. You feel like you congratulate him, but he's still got more football left, mm. um, obviously. But um, what an exceptional leader. He's up there with Michael Voss, obviously, for, for me and in the leadership stakes and how both those players changed their game. And one thing Michael did really well was he didn't have to be the hero. You know, he didn't win as Norm Smith himself. It wasn't about him um, getting the accolades, even though he had quite a few throughout his career. Um, but he would always – you'd often see him do team things 
from behind the ball, you can off, you can see a lot in defence. You can watch the midfielders who work hard, who don't, who cover for their teammates, or who just want to win the ball. And, and Trent is that. He changed his game to be a completely selfless team leader, and with his own sprinkling of brilliance, which is what you what you're saying. So I, I think that's the the kudos to him. And did has he chosen his moment well? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I think um, it's as much. And everyone has their moment. Um, it's as much mental, I think, as physical that role because you've got to, you know, you got to worry about your game, but you've also got to worry more so about the the other teammates you've got to help them. So, Callum Coleman Jones, Jared, will definitely go to North Melbourne. It'll be a four year deal. He'll play ruck forward. There will be an element of Todd Goldstein making way for him here. That's been part of the sell, and it means that North Melbourne has beaten Gold Coast to the player who the Suns took Marby or Chol instead of Callum Coleman Jones on a four year deal, but they had offered Callum Coleman Jones five years. So, why the Tigers haven't admitted that Callum Coleman Jones is leaving, I'm not too sure, but the players know. Some of them have been told directly by Callum himself that he is leaving. The Tigers really wanted to keep him because he obviously represents the future and their ability to, I guess, reset on the run. But it is what it is. I mean, the tight on the money front, Richmond, but more on the opportunity front too because Ivan Saldo comes back himself, re-signed during the week for another few years. Toby Nankervis isn't going anywhere. And then you got Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch inside 50. So he just wants to play the game. Kane, is it a blow to lose both? Oh, huge, yeah. It's well because it's the next, it's the next generation, and everyone's looking for a key forward, aren't they? And when you've got um, Revolt, who's thirty-three, I think, and and Lynch is getting towards thirty, you want to keep those ones that are going to get that, uh, no, take the spot and, and be the succession plan. So all of a sudden, you've got to go to the draft and find one or find one from another club. It's not easy, is it? And then maybe old Chol as well. Like yeah, everyone needs that second ruck option that can play forward. I mean, because you probably can't play two rucks but you want to have more than one. So you have one and a half, but the other one needs to play forward, which he can do. Now, neither of them have commanded a spot yet, but to lose both, I mean, it's, it's a it's a massive blow. I'm not, I'm not sure how they go about replacing them. I know their, their draft hand is reasonable, but to draft a young key forward or a young ruckman is going to take them five, six years to develop. So we know they lost David Asprey and Basha Hooley out of their back 50, Jared. I think, or I have been told, it's highly likely that Robbie Tarrant goes to Richmond on a two-year wow. contract. So he had one year deal on the table from North Melbourne. He was after two from the outset. He's an unrestricted free agent, so he can walk to the Tigers for nothing come October the 1st. Um, it's exactly like the Sean Higgins scenario from last year. North Melbourne, we'd like you to stay for one, but if you get two, then more power to you. Thanks for your services. I guess it's the beauty of knowing where things are at for North Melbourne. But Robbie Tarrant to Richmond on I think what will be a two-year deal is a, is a pretty big um, move from the Tigers because they'd been in the conversation with another a free agent, albeit a delisted one in Daniel Talia, who had been waiting on word as to whether the Tigers would take him on for next year as well. So where this would leave Daniel Talia remains to be seen. So for North Melbourne uh, to let go of Robbie Tarrant, um, they're all in for the future, of course, and that would be a nice fit for Richmond, I would have thought. So be 33 in the opening rounds of next year, Kane. How do you read that? I probably would have gone Talia. I know he's coming off a really injury-interrupted season, but he's been such a consistent performer, and he's 29 versus 33. And, you know, I probably would have lent that way. And with Tarrant, with the the injuries that he's had recently, he's a, he's a phenomenal player and has been for a long time. So I don't mind it from North Melbourne. I, I like what they've done with the, the Higgins move in hindsight, Sam, was, was a good move that they made. Uh, this won't hurt them in terms of... The their next pursuit of finals. It's interesting for Richmond, Lepper, isn't it? Like to, to bring in a player. You've said 
goodbye to Hawley on the basis of you know age reasons essentially and you, but you then bring in another 33 year old I get the circumstances but yeah what did you make of it no it'd be interesting I wonder whether they you know they were thinking more than anything it's positional you know they had cash for a certain position as opposed to cash for a halfback I mean they're only decisions that Blair Hartley and Matty Clark know um, and it could be as much to do with Bash's you know the inability to finish seasons as well you know he, he's had a couple of seasons where he hasn't played chunks of it so um, I'm sure there's a number of factors in it why they went that way and need to stress not confirmed at this point Jerry, no. but that is what the people are saying around it Quentin Arkell likewise poised to stay at Geelong another season of speculation over his playing future so it's only 33 games in five seasons at the Cats long link with a move to that club again Richmond where he's good mates with Shea Bolton, they share the same manager and Ralph Carr, but speaking to Ralph during the week, he says, to be totally transparent, we're working through a deal to stay. We think we'll get that deal done, and uh, Quentin Narkle will hopefully get some more opportunities going forward. It's one of his teammates, though, in Jordan Clark that is the really fluid situation here. Now, he's contracted for one more year. Rival clubs will tell you he's being played out of position. He's playing mainly off a wing in the VFL, just the 11 games this year, medical sub a few times as well. His camp think he's a running defender, which is where he actually made a name for himself for the national championships before going as a uh, 15th pick in the 2018 draft. There's elements though of the, the coaching staff there who don't like him in that position on the ground and this is why the situation is relatively fluid for Jordan Clark. We know the assistant coaching turnover currently taking place at Geelong with the potential of more to come. So we know that Matty Knights is gone. We know that Corey Enright's going to St Kilda. We don't know what's happening with Matthew Scarlett yet as well. A new CEO is coming in. So Tom Morris has just reported that Clark took the opportunity while he's home in Perth to meet with Fremantle and Dockers officials during the week. That has not been denied by either camp. So it's a really fluid situation. I mean, Geelong made it really clear last year they were going to hold him to his contract. He did have interest from the West last year. North Melbourne came knocking as well. So we'll see what happens here with Jordan Clark. The Cats say they've had no conversation with uh, Fremantle and the player himself has not put in a trade request. But clearly... It's a uh, a movable uh, storyline for Geelong. What do you think on those two, Kane? Well, I think uh, often players' reputations go up when you realise that they're they're on they're on the trade table, and I think Jordan may be one of those players. Usually, a player is on the trade table for a reason. Like like if, if Geelong rated him, uh, he would have played because they're they're crying out for young players to play. I understand he's you know he's about to turn twenty one. Oh, he's twenty one, so he's still young, you don't want to judge young players too early, but often there is a reason players are on the trade table or they haven't been able to hold down a spot on their list, and, and this would be one of those for me. So, you know, look, I'd, I'd explore it if I was free, absolutely, but I wouldn't be overpaying for a player like Jordan on the trade table. Adam Chera wants to move to Victoria. We know that, and we know the situation there. Carlton is ready, and they're able to get him across. Melbourne wants to get him, but are they able? So the player still hasn't nominated a club of choice, Jared, publicly anyway. The Demons, as we said, don't have a first-round pick. Their first selection will be mid-30s by the time draft night, and that pick rolls around. So at this stage, it's going to take a player at the centre of any uh, Melbourne Fremantle trade. So who's it going to be? Well, Angus Brayshaw forever linked, ever since he was drafted to Melbourne. It's all, Every year, he's going back to put purple on but he's got family over there we know that his brother plays at the club he's got uncles and aunties and all the rest of it he has said during the week he's got no interest in going back there Jared he has a contract in place at Melbourne until 2022 so at the moment Angus Brayshaw staying put at Melbourne you can forget Luke Jackson and then you start going through the list Trent Rivers is only in the infancy of his career but he's a West Australian could he be part of something 
I just struggle to see how Melbourne would go to the trouble of being the only other club to compete with Carlton Free Services if they didn't have a plan in place or, a, a, I guess, a, a possibility of getting the deal done. And when you look at it, it has to involve a player at the moment. It's going to be fascinating mm. to see how it plays out because clearly Adam Chera thinks it's possible because he hasn't said, oh, I'm definitely going yep. to Carlton. I'd love to see where he fits in their midfield. That's the interesting part for me when you've, you know, you've already got almost the two best midfielders and, and the third's mm. a Viney or a Harms or someone that plays a really good role when they're in there. It's like he's going to a place where he's going to get a part-time midfield role, it seems to me, if he goes to Melbourne. So maybe they've got other plans. I'd love to know what that, that part of it is. And that's pretty much it, Jared. At, at the moment, I mean, we know that uh, Jack Silvani's going to re-sign a Carlton. They've been on a real spending spree of late. The most recent one, their youngster Brody Kemp, who hasn't got a, a real run at it of uh, of late. Rory Lobb. I think if the planets align for Rory Lobb, in a perfect world for him, he would leave Fremantle. But his contract is going to make it so difficult. You know, two years to go at seven hundred thousand dollars a season. That pretty much ruled Gold Coast out. So I think he'd be open to a move back to Melbourne. He's got some family connections on this side of the country, his side and his his partner's side as well. So I just can't see him moving. It's not a seller's market as we've spoken about repeatedly. But Rory Lobb in any other year, I reckon, might have been a possibility for leaving Fremantle. Sam, it feels like it needs a big player, doesn't it, this trade period? And, and the possibility of that happening, do you, do you think it's real? like one out of the blue? I, I just remember doing the trade stuff a few years ago, and out of the blue, Sam Mitchell's going to West Coast. And this is happening on air, and you're just blown away by it. You can't believe it that uh, Hawthorne have let a legend go. Is, is there anything like that? And I'm not asking for specifics, but would you be surprised or would you expect a big name to bob up throughout the trade period? Oh, I think... If there is a chance, it's another Mitchell. Maybe it's Tom Mitchell, who I know has got some headlines throughout the internet. Look, it's entirely possible, of course, that he stays at Hawthorne. They're not looking to actively shop him or anything like that. But I think he is a potential to um, to be in a trade discussion, absolutely. Jeremy Finlayson, didn't that come out of nowhere yeah, um, so this week as well? through that. So he approached, or his management approached GWS a long time ago, actually, earlier on in the season to say, look... We might be looking at something whereby we're expecting our first child, a baby girl, Sophia, who was uh, born. That's why Jeremy Finlayson didn't uh, participate in GWS's finals campaign. We need some family support. We don't have it in Sydney. Um, Jeremy Finlayson's partner's from Port Lincoln in South Australia. So Jason McCartney gave full blessing, if you like, for Jeremy Finlayson to go to other clubs and and, uh, see if there was any interested parties there for a trade. Now, he's taken the opportunity to do a medical at Port Adelaide. Whether that is just due diligence from the power or they have an active interest in him remains unclear. The Giants half expect him to stay. They're they're putting uh, plans in place to, I guess, to support the player and his young family. As I say, they're not shopping him. They're not pushing him out the door, that's for sure. They want him to stay there. He only re-signed this time last year on a a new deal. It's nothing to do with money, they tell me. It's all around the family support. So that was one that sort of did seemingly bob up out of left field came, but had been in the works for for a little while. So you never say never, but as Jared and I have spoken about for a long time, it's not a seller's market. The money's not there. You know, Mm. clubs are bailing the water out of the boat. There's the analogy that we like to... To, to you. So should there be a massive fish, I guess, um, then clubs will scramble. But it's hard to see at the moment. Mm, we'll see if Lockie Neal's name at all comes up. I don't know. Does that, I know Again. he said no. Well, yep. I don't know. I know he said no, but I, I think we, you know, at some point we're going to be talking about whether it's still a 
possibility behind it. I know he's denied that, but players have done that before. And Jordan Dawson's the other one as well. Yep. He's, he's doing the rounds in Adelaide. He toured uh, Westlake's lacrosse facilities. He was at Alberton yesterday and doesn't sound like he's made his mind up between one of the two South Australian clubs just yet. No, so, he doesn't. No, you're right, Jared. Go so ahead. Finlayson surprised you being linked to Port Kane? Oh, yeah. It's, it's completely, completely the last player that they need. I mean, they don't need another... Uh, inconsistent forward who you know hasn't you know, got a record of standing up in big games. They've already got you know Dixon who's there. We, he's got two years to go on, on a contract, so if he's there, he's going to play. And then you're definitely going to invest in the young forwards that you've got because George Yardy's coming into his third year and and looks ready to explode. And Todd Marshall, I mean, they've invested 60, 70 games over five or six years into Todd Marshall, and he should be coming into his prime with the amount of footy that he's played. So where does Finlayson, and you've got Laddams and Lysett as your, as your backup rucks. And I'm not sure, they Kane, they really need Jordan Dawson either. And Chris they Davies don't. saying during the week they had an extreme interest in Jordan Dawson, so they really want him in there. Yeah, I get when quality players want to come home. You, you have to have a look at it. But they need a, they need a midfielder. Like, they need a, a, a genuine midfielder who can play inside but can also get outside. Uh, that, that's where they've been exposed time and time again this year against the best midfields, dating back to Brisbane when they got smashed. They got smashed by the Bulldogs and they got smashed by Melbourne. And then in the final, again, they're one or two inside midfielders short. That, that's where I'd be putting all my efforts if I was going to look at Port Adelaide. Not, not Finlayson not Dawson. Yes, he's a nice to have, but he's not a he's not a necessity. And the Swans, so Dylan Stevens stayed at the Swans. He did. I think Jordan Dawson was a massive part in that scenario. Once yep. Jordan Dawson left, it was always likely the people close to Dylan Stevens that he would stay on that on that two-year deal, but many rival clubs contacted about him. They were butting heads for quite some time. So Dylan Stevens stays. Sam Wicks is about to re-sign as well. So it looks as though they're going to navigate it. The big one, Luke Parker, of course, uh, re-signing on that uh, long-term deal up there. So they wanted to keep Jordan uh, Dawson. But such is the tightness of the cap, they couldn't keep them all, Jared. All right, so that was for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. Something a little tasty next. It became clear early in the season that the Justin Leppage penchant for food <laughs> analogies was perhaps the strongest part of his analytical arsenal. So we asked him to put together an 18-course meal for us. That's it. Every club has a food analogy. So we are bravely going to step there next. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. They welcome the all-new Jeep Compass and its off-roading capabilities at Werribee Jeep and Caroline Springs Jeep. And for Red Rooster, delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster, available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. The penultimate edition of Crunch Time. Maybe it's the climax of our year, really. We've been working towards this with Justin Lepich. He's now heading into Collingwood as the head of strategy. So his final gift to us in a way, next week we'll be talking grand final. It'll be terribly serious. But it became very clear early on that your long suit leper was food analogies. It was. I'm a little nervous right now. In fact, this is, this is as big as, as nervous as I've been for years, to be honest. Because, um, you know, and, and for everyone out there, please take it with a bit of fun for what it, what that, that, it is. This is totally fun, <laughs> right? So, and my favourite part was when it, got picked up by clubs when they recognised what they were and would reference back to, well, I think Lepper's right, we are a hearty stew. <laughs> yeah, that That's was a big clearly the big moment. I feel like the whole year is built towards yeah. this, though, yeah. right here. All right. So Oof. from the bottom up. Okay. 
the food analogy yes. is Justin Leppage for your team. North and, Melbourne. Okay. And the way I've done this is a little bit on, because there's obviously different elements in the way you can look at food and a team. Um, so I'll try to look at them in sometimes in different ways, but I'll, I'll explain if I need to. Uh, North Melbourne. Um, to me, they're, they're like an avocado. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to well, need to explain well, well, a lot of it. An avocado is, we know they're good, but you buy them and you're like, oh, this could be a really hard one. And you can't mm. open it yet. You've you got to wait. You, you know you've got to sit it there. And sometimes you're not sure when it's going to be ripe, if it's going to be today, tomorrow, or you might have to wait two weeks. So I think we're, North Melbourne, we're there. it's looking good. It's going to yeah. get there. But you know if you peel it a bit early... Yeah, and normally you've got to put avocados in a brown bag to get them ripe. You're not yes. saying they've got the brown bags out no, there. No, they're, they're just they're just in that they're in that yeah. time though. It's a little bit ripened, and they just need to wait a little bit and just be careful because you you want it when you open it. You got to do it at the right time. So that's that, that's the start. start. That's the start. Really good start. start. Avocado North <laughs> Melbourne Collingwood. All right. Oh, well, now did this get reworked? It, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it went from. Um, yeah, nothing to caveat. No, it's I've, I've got Collingwood as the uh, obviously quite biased here. Yeah. It's a twelve-hour slow cook ribs um, because with the twelve-hour slow cook ribs, Sam, as you know, you put them in and you, 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 the whole time you're going back to it, going, oh, I don't know whether this is going to work. No, but you're happy to wait though, aren't you? Yes, you're waiting, and then there's hour six, and it's like, oh, I don't think it's, gonna... and then hour eight and nine and. And then, lo and behold, at the twelfth hour, you're like, "What was I ever worried about? Yeah, they fall this off is the bone. amazing!" And it's just the bones falling, the meat's falling off the bone. It's like, "Oh, this is magic!" So, that's the pies. Pies are the slow cooked like ribs. Okay, twelve hours, no less. The Gold, Gold Coast Suns. Well, that were the hardest ones to me, but I find they're like an ice cream birthday cake. You know, like the ones you get at you know out of the shop because even the the, the jumpers they have the sun like Metricon's got the big McDonald's sign and they got jumping castles at the ground and things like that so they give me that happy feeling their mascot Sunny Boy who has actually in the past been linked to looking like myself uh, in in many match committees um, but yeah so I reckon even at Metricon they'd probably if you started singing Happy Birthday everyone would sing in so it's just got that real joyous mm. feel about it the go I didn't I didn't go down the path of you know, the negative stuff with the Suns, which Kane would argue like an ice cream birthday cake. They only come out once a year. But anyway, <laughs> we'll keep moving on. <laughs> Melt in the heat of the moment. Good, yeah. uh, Adelaide? Uh, Adelaide to me are like beef jerky. Uh, well, there's a bit of toughness about Adelaide and there's a bit of flavour there as well. But you just, at the end, you've got to worry, is this giving me nourishment? And I think that's mm. the, the ultimate theme and the mm. takeaway there. Thoughts? Good. No, yep. very, very, very good. Hawthorne? Okay. It's Hawthorne um, to me, and it's mainly built off Clarko and what's happened this year, but they're to me like a beef Wellington. Um, you've got this beautiful piece of eye fillet steak, and you go, oh, I might just put pastry around that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a bit of a weird decision. <laughs> but it might taste good, it might not, we don't know. But we'll find out. Oh, that is good. I like that. <laughs> Carlton. Okay, Carlton. Carlton's to me are a lasagna because there's a lot of layers in a lasagna, as we know. But like any lasagna, if you lay it properly in a nice orderly fashion, it'll come out beautiful. But if it's not, it's mm. just going to be mush and mince, isn't it? So they're to me. When they look like they're getting their layers right, Jared, which is which is a good news. <laughs> Richmond. Oh, this is a difficult one for me, but... Um, 
Richmond to me, they remind me of like a night out at Sizzler. Everyone who was young in my age or oh, your yeah. age came would have, oh, would have yeah. done that. Loved it. You go to the all-you-can-eat buffet. It's nothing sexy about it. you got to get up to get your own food and everything like that. But, you know, you walk in and you're greeted by the – you know, everyone thinks Richmond had the special herbs and spices, the bread. You know, like, oh, how do you make this? Mm. You know, like this mm. magically mis- mysterious thing that was pretty much bread and cheese. So you meet, you're greeted with the, the bread and the cheese and you think, how do they even do this, this secret formula that's going on for years? So uh, you start with that. And then this year there was a bit of ups and down with them, wasn't it? So then what normally happens in Ida Sizzler, you go up, the soup's cold. You come back, <laughs> you go back up to the, get the crisp salad and you oh, yeah, this isn't pretty good. Not bad, not bad. The salad was pretty nice. I could make my own salad and... You go back and get the pasta and, oh, my God, jeez, this it's really doesn't taste very good, does it? <laughs> but, yeah, that's okay because we've got the ice cream at the end and that's what all the kids want and you go there and it's out of order. Yes, oh, yeah. it's Just always out of order. finish your night. <laughs> it's it is. out of order. Hey, if they still have Sizzler in Adelaide, Kane? I reckon they would. No, nah, they, 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 don't, oh. they don't. The last one's gone. The, the last place I went was in the Gold Coast. I reckon there's still a Sizzler there. Yep. And you're right, the Sizzler cheese toast is just magnificent. Mm. The all-you-can-eat Sizzler buffet. So that reminds me of Richmond's year. They had, yep. still had the mystique, but there's just so much it's that just unfortunately <laughs> fell apart for them. Very Quality good. control. Yep. Fremantle? Fremantle to me are like spaghetti meatballs um, because I love spaghetti meatballs. They're so good today, but I reckon they're even better tomorrow mm. when they're sat overnight for a bit and just they give it a little bit richer taste. So it's a big wrap. That's about where they are at the moment mm. for me. Spaghetti and meatballs. Nice. Mm. St Kilda? Well, we know what St Kilda are. They're the warm winter right. stew. We've, we've spoken about they're, they're hearty, wholesome, healthy. Um, they, they're really strong, but, you know, sometimes like any bad stew too, it can be watery, a bit thin on meat. So no flavour. So there, that's the, the couple of St Kilda's that we've seen this year. Very good. The warm winter stew. That was that 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 that, that, that linguine with a, That was the heart of it all. Uh, West Coast. Oh, West Coast to me, the glitz and glamour. They're like the night at the Teppanyaki Grill. If anyone's gone and done a night at the Teppanyaki Grill, so you go there. You've got your own personal chef, so Nick Nat's there, and he's he's got his utensils, he's flipping them, the kids are all happy, he's cracking the eggs on the <laughs> hot plate, and he's flicking eggs into your mouth like he's feeding Elliot Yo from a centre stoppage. <laughs> Music's playing, the place is stoked. You know, it's a bit like, you know, <laughs> Optus Stadium this week. You get the grilled fish, the braised beef, it's all going in there. The wife from two might have an extra sake or two there, Sam, while we're there. It's a great environment to be in. The kids walk away and go, what a fun night that is. Um, the only problem is... Is there a but? Yeah. The only problem is if you think, what a great night, and a week later you think, I want to get that again, we'll order it in. But the same meal, when it's ordered, hits the Uber driver, delivery driver, he comes in, you open the plastic containers, like, is this the same thing we had last week? On the road, it doesn't quite get as tasty as it's like <laughs> in the meal. That's brilliant. <laughs> and it still costs you 350 bucks. Expensive. I was going to say expensive. And there's salary cap issues as well. Nice, nice. Essendon? Well, what else would you have at the party you want to be at than the greatest and biggest charcuterie board in the world? <laughs> It's got everything on there, Sam, meats, cheeses, all these artichokes, oh, yeah. crackers. What else do you, what do you have on yours when you make them at home? Oh, you've got to have a soft cheese. You've got, so, have, you got to have a soft how cheese. How many cheeses do you have when you... Oh, you've got to have at least four. Four cheeses. Yeah. Okay. Why? No, no, it just depends. That's a lot for one person. Yeah. You've got to have some olives. Olives oh, not just for me. Yeah, but it's the idea of the charcuterie board is it's shared, a care yeah. and share approach. Yes, yes. Sydney? 
Sydney. <laughs> well, Sydney, uh, we've spoken about this one. They're like a pizza um, because even when they're bad, they're pretty good. Yeah. You know, because like, and pizzas come in many varieties. They can be cheap and nasty at three a.m. You know, when you get them in the vendor, or you can get them at a fine dining restaurant. So they come in in many ways. Everyone likes it. It comes. It, it suits everyone. It suits the meat lover, the vegetarian, the vegan, gluten free, halal. It comes in every shape and size too. So everyone loves it. All, all, all people love it, Sam. Nice, nice. The pizza at Sydney, the Giants. This is a difficult one for me, but they're, to me they're a little bit like a quinoa salad um, <laughs> because you, you look at a quinoa salad and you think, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Mm. And then afterwards, oh, that was really good. I feel good afterwards and it was actually healthy and it tasted pretty good too. So to me they're kind of like – and there's probably a lot of foods in that bracket for me, but – Brisbane Lions. Well, there we've spoken about the Lions, and they're the Sunday roast. They're yeah. safe and reliable. You know what you're getting. There's not a lot of variation with the Sunday roast, so then you've got to keep asking, do we have to add a bit of variation? What can we do with the roast to give it a little bit more spice and pizzazz? No. Um, Geelong? Uh, Geelong, to me, uh, like a souffle. This is this is the most difficult dish to make in the world, Sam. Did you know that? I did, but you got to get it to rise, don't you? That's right, and that's why, because you you're consistently holding your breath while you're making it, because... If you do it well, it fluffs up nice and fluffy and perfect and it's just completely amazing. But if you do little things like not whisk the eggs whites enough or you open the, the oven at the wrong time, it's completely deflated and yeah. you've got to start again. And that's probably where the cats are at the moment. It needs to be perfect. Is it going to rise and be perfect right now or is it going to flatten out? And there's many clubs that have been in this spot right now, but that's probably where they're at. The cats are the souffle. Port Adelaide. They're like a fresh seafood platter to me. Everyone loves a fresh seafood mm. platter. Like, nothing better. Like you think about it, everything tastes good. You've got mud crabs, you've got the lobster, you've got the king prawns, they're mm. your favourite. Mm. But there's one problem. There's one problem with the fresh seafood platter. What's that? The one bad oyster. Oh, yeah. You get and you that pay one. For that. Oh, you're on the toilet bowl all night if you get that one bad oyster. Yeah. So you've got to get rid of that one bad oyster off that beautiful fresh seafood. And it's hard to identify that one oyster, isn't it? Because they all look the same. <laughs> so you've got to identify how do I get to that one. That's very good. I love the layers to that. Western Bulldogs? The dogs to me are like an Indian curry. You know, they've had some mild performances this year, but usually they just turn up the heat. Piping hot. When they want to mm. pipe it up, and, they, and then they separate the boys to men. So. <laughs> and they make them sweat. And they make them sweat. Yeah. Yeah, like that. All right. And our one team, Melbourne. Melbourne, they are like a kangaroo steak. Mm-hmm. What used to be common roadkill is now delicacy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. The bad come good. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Suddenly it's, it's very nice expen- on the... Pa- most expensive meat you can buy now. And it's, uh, the, yeah, as you're right, the palate loves it. Mm, oh, beautiful. Geez. So that's it, Jared. That's my, yeah, that's well my, brain, that's my brain at work. So yeah. there you go. Well, that won't translate at all on Twitter, but if you have been <laughs> with us throughout the year, that's brilliant. So North Melbourne of the avocado, Collingwood of the 12-hour slow-cooked ribs, Gold Coast Suns of the ice cream, uh, ice cream birthday cake, Adelaide of the beef jerky, Hawthorne, my favourite. Wellington. My favourite. Yeah, the three on the podium. Hawthorne's definitely on the podium. Carlton are your lasagna as they start to put the layers together. Richmond are the sizzler all-you-can-eat buffet. Special marks there for the nostalgic uh, <laughs> reference for a lot of us. Fremantle, spaghetti and meatballs. St Kilda, the warm winter stew. That was really the core of it all. West Coast, teppanyaki grill. <laughs> On the podium, outstanding. No, doesn't translate no, to delivery. Doesn't travel. <laughs> Essendon, I'm not sure even how to spell the Shikateri board. Oh, no, I had to Google it. <laughs> well done. 
Sydney are the pizza. The Giants are the quinoa salad. The Lions, the Sunday roast. That has been a staple through the year. Geelong, the souffle. Port Adelaide's on the podium. The fresh seafood platter with the one bad oyster. <laughs> the Western Bulldogs, the Indian curry. And a big finish. Melbourne, the kangaroo steak. What used to be common roadkill. It's now a delicacy. Justin Leverage. Brilliant. Salute. That was brilliant. brilliant. The culmination of your whole year's work with us. That's it. And that's when, when you leave me to too much time on my hands, yes. this is what happens. So imagine look that, forward to this, Collingwood people. Imagine what a danger you are to the strategy of the game with all this time on your hands. You don't have to direct it here. You can nail down the strategy Absolutely. of the game. Uh, very good. That was good fun, Kane. Good fun. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Leper. All right. We're going to... Um, Clear ourselves of our final commitment to be ready for the Melbourne press conference, Simon Goodwin. So out of isolation, you told us, Sam? He is Adam Muse and the coach, Simon Goodwin, have recovered. So they'll do, he'll do his press conference we're about to hear and then he will oversee main training tonight under lights over there where Kane is in Perth, Jerry. Right, we'll drop into that press conference coming up. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. And for Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken available at selected restaurants. We're going to head to Simon Goodwin's press conference, the Demons coach over in Perth in a few minutes' time. So the Demons to have their much-discussed match simulation session tonight and the coach himself is out of isolation. So we'll do that shortly. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley-Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. For Harley Heaven, still your home of Harley Davidson during lockdown, harleyheaven.com.au. So as we cast an eye toward tomorrow night, Kane, you lead us off. What are you looking for in the Brownlow count? Yeah, well, I, I, th- I think that it's clearly a midfielder's award, and we know that. Who's been the most brilliant midfielder? I mean, so, so Ollie Wines is the favourite. He's had massive numbers, and he's a proven vote-getter. But, but has he been the most influential and brilliant midfielder? I would say... I would say no. I think that's been Clayton Oliver. So if you know, I, I put a lot of weight on the coaches' association awards because the coaches have had time to analyse the game and do their reviews before they hand their votes in on Monday. I think that is the most accurate reflection of a player's influence across the course of the season. Oliver won that. So I think uh, Clayton Oliver will win the Brownlow um, tomorrow night. But there's some big midfielders that have had massive numbers. Maybe a, a bit of a surprise might be how well Jack McRae polls. I mean, it's his numbers. No one's touched the footy more in the history of the game. And he uses the ball extremely well. And they won a lot of games of footy. So I think uh, Jack McRae is also one to watch. Can I, if you use the Coaches Association Awards, and mm. uh, I've got an analyst who breaks these down and converts them to 3 2 1. <laughs> So instead of being the the five from five, each coach, yeah. so if you convert them to three, two, one, it's Bontempelli twenty eight and a half, Steele twenty seven and a half, Oliver twenty six, and then there is a gap. Took Miller, Ollie Wines twenty three, Parish twenty one, Merritt twenty. So mm. if you purely use the coaches' association and then make it the format that our votes are in, Bontempelli from Steele and Oliver, and Oliver actually won that award in its current configuration. So Wines isn't in that little list there, was he? he no, he's at 23. Mm. So the, the, your top three would be Bontempelli, Steele and Oliver. Mm. So I wonder how that – has your man looked at how that's uh, gone in re, in previous years, Jared? Actually, uh, while we're sitting here, I will find that file because yeah. I, I do obsess over these things, <laughs> and I have that on my laptop. Just give me a minute or two Can to Can you put it, it into a food analogy for us? <laughs> <laughs> um, leper. Um, 
I guess I want to give the AFL a rev up a little because I want them to reward more than just the Brownlow on Brownlow night. I think we need a few more awards, to be mm. honest, on the particular night to share, I guess, some of the better players. And now it's become a genuine midfielders award um, to, to maybe have other options um, for, for this. Uh, like they do in the NFL, they have Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Offensive Player of the Year, so on and so forth. Is it at the point now, do we need to break it up um, a little bit more? So that's the that's the one for me. It may not even be done Brownlow medal night, but do we need another way to reward Jake Lever and, and, and Stephen May at a, like at, a hi, at a higher level. And name it after a couple of former greats as well. Great little addition. Mm. So what would we do? I, I don't know the, the perfect format for it. I, I haven't thought that far ahead. I've been too busy doing food analogies <laughs> for the last three weeks. But, but it, which, whichever way it's done, even if it's just, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a game day vote. It can be something that's done. Um, you know, in retrospect, uh, even as a part of the coaches' um, association component of it. But, yeah, as I said, I don't even know how how it can be done, but I just think it's really important because clearly in the midfield, the ball passes the midfield more often than it goes to the bookends of the ground. So you get more opportunity, which means you get in the umpire's eye more. So that makes sense that it's the the pinnacle award, but it's how to reward the bookends of the ground. So, Kane, last year's Coaches Association conversion to the Brownlow medal nailed the top four. So wow. Lockie Neal, 31 Brownlow votes, 27. So I think we feel like the umpires OD'd on, on Neal last mm. year at the count. But so uh, 31, 27. Boak ran second, 21 in the Brownlow, 22 from the coaches' conversion. Petrarca and Steele tied on 20, and they were 19 and a half and 17. And then the complete aberration in last year's count, which still cuts me to the core, was that the, they missed Taylor Adams, who was an invisible player to the umpires. He was fifth in the coaches' association. So they, they nailed the top four in order on that conversion last Jeez. year. So if that's to repeat, Marcus Bontempelli's going to have a nervous finish to the count, isn't he, given we think he finishes slowly. So he's, yeah, he so might be on the edge of his seat. Bontempelli will be... On this, a runaway leader and Steele just mowing him yeah, down and yeah. misses by a vote in the coaches. Uh, my rev up goes to the boss of the AFL, Gillan McLaughlin, who reads the votes. Um, <laughs> long live the dramatic Brownlow pause, Jared, And he has got that much ammunition in his arsenal this year when it comes to the Melbourne players. Now, we know they've got a couple of contenders here. The one that uh, chief among them, the one that Kane mentions, Clayton Oliver. And then the other one is Christian Petraka. What's their first initial? It is C. So when it gets to what the uh, yes. legendary Manchester United manager Alex Ferguson famously calls squeaky bum time <laughs> in the final rounds and the camera zooms in on the Melbourne table, will it be a case of Melbourne? Three votes. C, Salem. <laughs> Melbourne, three votes. C, Spargo. Long live the dramatic Brownlow pause, Jerry. When do you think he'll start it? That's always he, he is an early. He goes early. early. I think he'll start it at about round four. <laughs> yes. I think he'll milk it all night long. Why not? Why not? It's a winning formula. The pause. We love it. Since Nahas retired, where have they gone with it? So I, I say the the big pause. <laughs> uh, I've got thoughts all over the place here. So, um, a tie is mm. very much front of mind. For me, and imagine if it was Bontempelli and Oliver, oh, yeah. participants in the grand final. If you want a starting point for Sunday night to set us up into grand final and week, that'd be it. They'll be in separate rooms there at Optus Stadium as well, so we can't get a photo of them together. No, it'll be split screen. I, that's, and how many Brownlows do they need, Jared? Like how many yeah, are, so are on hand? They, they would have. If I was having a guess, I would say they have three in Perth. Yep. 
they would have one in Adelaide, although Wines has gone across, so mm. um, that should be okay. Actually, I reckon they might even have four in Perth mm. because that's where Petrarca, Oliver, Bontempelli and Wines are. Wines, I reckon yeah. they'd have an emergency one in Adelaide and they'd clearly have one in Melbourne um, in case it's steel. Mm. I don't think... So, Walsh... Yeah, um, he's on the, what, seventh line of betting pretty much. It, it, how refreshing is it, by the way, to have a, a, a list of favourites and no one's been suspended? I mean, that does – that does that, that we don't have an, an ineligible contender, do we not? Correct me if I'm wrong. So that's refreshing yep. at least. How many votes do you think the all-Australian defensive six will share? <laughs> Lever, May, Stewart, Dale, Aaliyah and Rich. So six players, all Australian. The under-over for me is 11 and a half. 11 and a half. An average, uh, uh, I, think, I think that's the under-over, an average of two each. Would Aaliyah poll well given he, and leave a two, given they... Well, he won, he won the showdown medal, so mm. there's a three. So the umpires will go off the showdown medal. So there's at least three for Aaliyah. Yep. Hey, ponder that. Let's join Simon Goodwin's press conference. <laughs> Yeah. You going all right, Pete? You got the beard going? Yeah. Yeah, I've dropped off in lockdown, mate. <laughs> Actually, th- that, that's really high risk to take that until they start to ask the first question. <laughs> that could go anywhere. That's risky. So that, yeah. So let's just wait till we get to the first question there, shall we? Because <laughs> anything could happen. Well, in uh, the small good talk. to know Pete Ryan's uh, <laughs> fostering a nice beard in lockdown, though. Well, that's how you get to know the journos. Yeah. All right, here we go. Hotel here. Uh, I just got to watch for eight and, and where I went out, but you know, feeling good now, feeling 100% and ready to go. So, um, you know, thankfully it's not something that's going to pass through the players and, and the club. It's uh, self inflicted. Yeah, cool. What do you got planned? What do you got planned for today? There's obviously been talk about this session being really important. What's your plan? Yeah, it's obviously a really important day for us. You know, we want to get some match loads into the players, similar to what we did you know, previous weeks before that. And you know, we'll do some training. Um, we'll do some match simulation type drills and some more high intensity contest work. And you know, that's how we know we best prepare for, for the game and, um, and where we're at. So we know that gives us a great preparation, but it's an important session for us. And that's where we need our whole squad to be you know, really at their best and train to a high level today. Was there ever any concern, Simon, that yesterday's little hiccup might have, you know, meant more to the group in terms of if it, you know, spread or anything like that? Were you ever worried at any stage? Oh, not at all. You know, our players are, are really well prepared in how they go about their business. Um, having a couple of coaches that are out of action is not going to affect anyone for the for the short term. Um, but there's no concern about our playing group. They're fit, they're healthy, they're ready to go, and they're, they're eager to get into some really good training. You know, we've had a a week really where we're focused on getting ourselves right physically and mentally. Um, and now we, we go into our full preparation mode and, and it starts today. Did Adam have the same Rainy Simon? I had a, yeah, it is a similar sort of scenario. So, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, both of us sort of ate something that wasn't quite right and, um, you know, we'll, we'll be right. You know, he's 100% as well. What will you do with May later on today in terms of the, the training session? Simon, will you let him rip or uh, take a more conservative approach with him? 
Uh, Rob, he'll do part of the session. Um, you know, he's slowly building his program up, you know, towards his full training come the back end of next week. So um, he's in really good shape, really positive about where that sits with him. Um, and he's really confident in the way his body's tracking. So um, today's just a stepping stone in that process. And um, you know, we're really confident that he'll be right to play. Goody, how do you make the call between Joel Smith and Michael Hibbard? That seems to be the, the big selection dilemma leading into next week. Yeah, look, I think there's a few guys that come into that mix. You know, we've got Jaden Hunt, Michael Hibbard, you know, Joel Smith, who you know, has got to get through some um, some rehab select, um, work with his hamstring first and foremost to be available for selection. So there's some, some decisions to be made. There's no question about that. But... You know, there's certainly the, some real confidence in the way we played last week as well. So, um, you know, we'll sit down as match committee. We've got a lot of training to get through yet before we have to make those decisions. Um, so there's a lot that can happen in that time frame as well. So we'll assess that as it comes. But you're right, you know, there's certainly some opportunity for guys in and around the edges of the team. Obviously, you're tailoring everyone's programs, you know, when you've got this much time before a game. No issue with, with Angus. Thought he might have maybe a sore knee. He obviously set out most of yesterday's session, albeit a light session. Is he okay? Yeah, he's fine. He'll do everything today. So there's nothing wrong with Angus at all. Um, he just had a really light day yesterday. Um, he's not actually carrying too much at all other than um, just giving him a bit of a lighter load. So um, he'll fully train today. He'll do all the match simulation. There's, there's no problems with him. When you wanted to do the match team tonight, Simon, how much did you weigh up the risk versus reward factor in terms of injury and the actual body contact that, you know, you, you want the players to get under their belt before the game? Well, we're a club that's trained hard all year and it's no different at this stage of the season. You know, we need to prepare our players physically and mentally for what the game demands. And um, the way we train and the way we do our match simulation is really important for that. Um, it's how we've built our footy team. Um, the critical thing is to get the contest and the competitive nature of the session right. So um, our mindset's right heading into next week. It's, uh, it's a really important session for us. It's the way we train, it's the way we prepare, and we know it's the best way to get us into a performance mindset. Um, and that's the way we'll approach it. Um, now, clearly, you do it in the safest way possible, but we haven't lost anyone at training so far this year, and we've trained really hard, so we'll continue to do that. Simon Goodwin, the Melbourne coach, at his press conference to close out crunch time. Leper, thank you. Thanks, Exceptional today. Kane, enjoy the week in Perth. Good on you, Jared. Sam, we'll talk right through the week. Can't wait. Cheers, guys. This has been crunch time for the Western Auto Group. Elevate. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Your adventures with the new Jeep Compass.